from Descaladeta. Hey everybody and welcome to a Sunday night Descaladeta. Thanks for tuning in with us. It's me, Lady Ada, at my desk, which is piled high with electronic components and goodies. We got some mailbag, we got some new products coming out. We've got we got actually a triple decker episode because it's gonna be Desk Ada, followed by the Great Search, followed by INMPI, because last week we didn't have a video. But let's kick it off with Mr. Lady Ada. Yeah, I got a couple odds and ends. Tell us odds so and ends. shows will be normal this week. Uh, Tuesday, we've got Product Pick of the Week with JP. Wednesday, we have 3D Hangouts with Noam Pedro. We have Show and Tell, 7.30 on Wednesday. We have Ask an Engineer at 8 p.m. Thursday, JP's Workshop. And Friday, we have Deep Dive with Foamy Guy, who's standing in for Scott Weisgott's on paternity leave. Mm. A bit of housekeeping thing. Thank you, everyone, who sent some good feedback and also um, was appreciative of one of the things that we tried to do. Um, we had the course correct a little bit. We did a blog post that said... Hey, uh, some accounts from a few years ago, there might have been a private repo that went public. We don't think anyone saw it, but we wanted to get the word out just in case. And lesson learned, uh, we're going to send out emails if we ever do that at the same time as our public post and our video uh, disclosures and everything else at the same time. It happened one business day later. One business day later. And what I learned was you have to have a communication plan for Twitter that's different than your blog, that's different than how you do things on a live video show in a chat, how you do things on Discord. So anyways, thank you everyone. Um, like we said before in our blog post, we don't think any data got out there at all whatsoever. And usually companies don't even disclose something like this. We decided to anyways. And then we alerted any accounts during that time that may have been exposed. Again, we don't think any were at all, but thank you. Um, everyone who was uh, nice and even the folks that, you know, kind of punched a little bit on Twitter. Um, I, I, I know what the intent was, appreciate it anyways. Well, we learned, we learned from lessons. Mistakes. Lessons were learned. Lessons are learned. And that's actually what Desk Lady is all about. I mean, I made, I made a mistake on a design this week and I'll tell you all about it. Maybe yeah. you'll learn from my mistake. Yeah. What I learned is, um, there's like two different types of companies, companies that make mistakes and hide them and then companies. <laughs> And so um, I like to say we're a company because there is uh, mistakes that we make and we're totally okay showing our work and hopefully uh, folks can learn from us. And also I put my offer out there. If anyone ever has to do any type of uh, data disclosure or anything, email me pt datafruit.com and I'll tell you lessons learned, what we did with our legal experts, um, what we would do different. And a lot of it just had to do with timing um, because we're always publishing everything, always constantly, everywhere. And uh, I don't mind sharing thoughts with all that because I didn't have really resources uh, in the same way. So what do you want to show okay. off first this week? Well, first off, let's do a little bit of mailbag. We got our Flipper Zero uh, today, which is a really cool, like, multi-tool. I call it like a mammalian ha hardware hacking tool. Um, this is really neat. We backed this on crowdfunding. Um, it came in. It's, it's this kind of adorable orange and white shape it's not square which i like it's a yeah. funky shape there's a lot of gpio available you can just it's like the, the most cyberpunkiest electronic it's thing. super cyberpunk um it's got ir windows so you can feed it ir it looks like there's some sort of probe clip add-on uh usb c port here for charging because as you can see it's battery charge uh, micro sd slot and um there's this uh like character the flipper which is a, uh, a dolphin um, and it's got all sorts of tools and things it can do. So it can like act as a bad USB. It can act as an I button. Um, 
You can do GPIO hacking, infrared, NFC. I just thought I'd show a quick demo of NFC reading. Yeah, do you it. You can also clone and like I didn't set up the whole thing to have it like do the cloning and then prove the cloning, but um, let's show this off. So let's read a card. So it's got these adorable animations. <laughs> I, did I did love it. I think it's all the little details that they put in. Um, you know, it's like anyone can make like kind of a, a blue cool. square. And believe me, I make blue squares, but I really think that yeah, the I just like that Donald's concentrating. That's like, cool. I'm thinking so hard. All right. So I've got like a standard, you know, um, uh, my fair tag here. Yeah. Put it underneath. Bleep, bleep. And it identifies it. Oh, wow. Um, it tells you the UID, and then you can emulate the UID or save it, and, you know, then you can have actions occur with it. Um, yeah. And it's completely open source software. I think it's also open source hardware. Although yeah, I have to double check. Don't believe me on uh, that. I have to double check and see when I back this and I'm going to try to get a hold of them and I would love to stop this in the Adafruit store. If anyone out there from Flipper um, is watching, pt at Adafruit.com would love yeah. to have this in the store. So yeah, it's got a lot of, of functionality and capabilities and I think it'll probably be available for purchase. I mean, we backed this many years ago. Yeah. And, and I think they were using, you know, of course, a whole I don't bunch remember of, when I backed this. It well, like you know, they, time or they, it was pre-COVID, I think. And, Maybe. and they probably got completely wrecked um their schedule probably got wrecked by not being able to get parts yeah. because all the stuff in i don't know what's in here but I, i'm betting it's a lot of st and ti parts and nxp parts all the parts you can't get yeah. um so anyway this is really cute um there's a lot of functionality and you know i think you can also like of course add more functionality i think there will be like you know this looks like there's plugins it's probably scriptable um a really cool thing i'm, I'm always uh, psyched when people make cool hardware because uh that's like part of the community. We're all making hardware together. And um, definitely with all the GPIO headers, um, you know, maybe someone will add a little I2T scanning script. That could be kind of handy. I'd like that little portable I2T scanner. You plug in, um, you know, power ground and then two pins and it'll tell you uh, whether it's detected. Um, all sorts of other nifty things that I think it could do. So uh, check out the Flipper Zero. I, I think that you can still uh, pre-purchase it. Um, I think the crowdfunding is over, but you know it probably will be available for purchase really soon. So that's from the mailbag. Okay, what else? Adorable little guy. Um, okay, thank you, little dolphin. Okay, next up, it's um, flippy floppy time. Um, speaking of flipper. Speaking of flipper. <laughs> Coincidentally, tonight's theme is flipper. So let's go to the computer and I'll show off my. Um, my thing. So, um, you know, the PCF 85... Oh, we got a sale going on on our site, by the way. Oh, by the way, there's yeah. a sale, 10% off Pi Day, because it's like Pi Day tomorrow. Um, but yeah. it's all weekend, including um, today and, and tomorrow. Um, so we have the PCF 8523, um, which is one of our favorite little RTCs. Uh, this real-time clock is battery-backed. Um, it's very cheap. It's really easy to use. It's supported by Linux. We really like it. Um, Compared to the DS1307, which is kind of popular, this one is three-volt friendly. So we use this a lot. And, you know, you'll see uh, we historically have used this um, with uh, the SOIC part. And this is like a big-ass crystal. Um, so I couldn't get this, the SOIC part, but I did manage to get an order in for the HV SON part, right? A, a much smaller, like a 4mm by 4mm DFN-like package. Um, this is, you know, um, this uh, part shortage is like not really ending. I'm still getting lead times into 2024, 2023. So it's not like you're going to be able to get parts. So, you know, stay, stay smart, everybody. Um, stay sharp. Um, be flexible about what components you'll get. Um, 
definitely a great time for me to doing, be doing escalators and great searches because it's going to be all about finding replacement parts. That's, that's actually about half of my job right now is, is doing revisions and replacements because um, so much stuff needs to be swapped out and I want to keep as much stuff in stock right now. Like there's about 50 products that are out of stock and it's just hard to keep them in because, you know, I cannot get B&O 055s and not only that, but Bosch is like, we are not even taking back orders. Like, you, we won't even, like, pretend to tell you that we might have them one day. Like, that's that's over. Um, so it's it's a lot about, you know, what you can get and, and, and working within that. And that's why you've seen me do a lot of espressive parts lately because I can get espressive chipsets and I can get, like, RP2040, but I can't get, you know, SAMDs as easily. Okay, anyways. Um, so I couldn't get the SOIC part, but I can get the... HV son part, and so, um, you know, I redesigned this board, and because I think I'll probably use the um, HV son, sorry, I'll probably get the S SOIC version eventually again, um, and again, I have all those PCBs left over, but, you know, still, um, I made this a flip-flop design, so I put the HV son over here, the SOIC here, you know, the, over the outline is the same. Um, I saved space by just making the crystal smaller, but I've got, you know, I, I used to use this big chunky 32 kilohertz crystal and now I use a smaller one. So, you know, this, um, I actually just like ordered this like sight on scene. I just ordered like a couple hundred PCBs, um, you know, as is. And um, I, you know, I think that'll help me get that product back in stock. So it's like each, each product that's out, it's because of some component and it's just like each one is a different you know, for some, it's like, let's find an equivalent part. For some, it's like, let's find another package. Um, for some, it's like, let's discontinue or let's completely revise it. It's, it's, there isn't one, one solution for each thing. So um, that's one of the boards I, you know, I, I revised this week. So if you're wondering, like, why isn't there as many new products? It's because I'm doing a lot of revisions, which take almost as much work as a new product. Um, but it's mostly just to keep stuff in stock, which I think is important. Okay, okay, what else? Any other questions? No, keep going. Okay. Um, next up, um, you know, I have worked on the ESP32 um, ESP32 Cutie Pie. So let's go back to the overhead and I'll show this off because I, I did get a couple of these. So we made a couple hundred, and what's interesting is that they did not pass test. Um, the prototype passed test. But I had a lot of issues with, you know, what it's, there's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you can make two or three prototypes, the two or three prototypes work okay, and then once you make like, you know, usually do a run about 250 um, for a new product, which is, you know, it, because it's going to happen, like something can go wrong. Like I, I make two or three, but, you know, there can be something, um, you know, very um, marginal that works in the prototypes but doesn't work in production. You know, a resistor value, it's like I picked it and it turns out I have to actually tweak it. Um, so the problem I'm having is during the test, which I didn't set up because I thought it would be a bit much. Um, the, when I do the Wi-Fi scan, the ESP32 hangs, it halts. And at first I thought like, okay, this is a power supply issue um, because that's a really common thing with the ESP32. Um, so I've been like, you know, I'm, I'm doing the test while I'm probing the three volt line. It does seem to matter whether it's plugged into my computer or whether it's like, there's a, it's a little bit like, um, it's like a little Schrodinger-y, it's a little tough to find because 
if I run a Wi-Fi scan on when it's plugged into my computer, it works, but then when I plug it into the Raspberry Pi, it doesn't. And I'm actually kind of wondering whether I think it might be that the Wi-Fi antenna, even though it's on the opposite side and, you know, protected by a ground plane to the chip, I'm wondering if it's if it's interfering with um, the crystal or or the microcontroller like that that emitted RF. And um, it's tough to determine this. So right now what I'm, you know, because again, it's like it just hangs. There's no error output. It just like stops working um, during the, the test procedure. So, you know, I'm, I did a couple of things. I tried to like move the antenna. I'm going to maybe try changing the Pi network to maybe like drop the gain a little bit um, in case, in case that makes a difference. Like maybe, you know, making the antenna a little less strong by adding some more, you know, impedance in line. Um, that'll make the range less good. What's interesting is that the ESP32 S2 and S3 have had absolutely no issue. Like it's basically the same design, um, but there's something about the ESP32 and I'm not seeing a three volt dip. So I, I don't know, I don't know what it is yet. And I do have a lot of capacitance on the three volt line. And I tried like providing an extra, you know, on the tester, I put a big capacitor on the five volt pin. I'll figure it out one way or the other. Another thing I could do is uh, make a version of this with a UFL connector. Um, you know, start by maybe just doing it by hand, make a couple. And then if you attach the antenna and the antenna is physically far away, does it pass test then? Because if it passes test then, um, then I know it's, it's something about the antenna, um, not the power supply. But it's, it's like it's a bit of a challenge. So um, hopefully I'll figure out. Um, you know, meanwhile, we did get the C3 out and all those passed test wonderfully. Um, it could also be that there's something, you know, in this ESP32, it could be something in the early um, Wi-Fi analog, you know, front end, end stage that um, is extra sensitive. So, you know, I don't know, um, but hopefully I'll figure out something because I'd really like to get this board out and I know I'll find, I'll figure out something. I just don't know what that is yet. So I have to, I have to spend a couple more hours on debugging. So I think that is... Everything I had on my to-do list, right? All right. Right. Do you want to check? No, we're good. Okay. So do you want to do great search and then INMPI? Let's do the great search first, and then, yeah, let's do INMPI. Okay. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DigiKey. The great search brought to you by Adafruit and DigiKey. Every single week, Lady user Power of Engineering to find... The most precious things in the world right now. Electronic parts. Okay, so we're going to go to digikey.com and try to find something this week. What are we going to try to find? Okay, so here's what we're going to find. So, you know, this part shortage is kind of an ending. You want to go to the computer? Uh, yeah, let's go to the computer, and I'm going to tell you a story. Here's a story. Uh, there's a story about a part I can't find. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the I've actually, you know, a while, about a year, a year ago, I ordered, you know, a year's worth of components from ST sensors. You know, I've been ordering a year's worth at a time, usually instead of a quarter, quarter's worth because it's been so tough to get parts. And um, some parts from ST I've been able to get, like I got LSM 60 soxes and I got some, you know, ISM 330s. Um, but what happened is I often, um, what I, I've liked to do is I like to make a combo IMU where I take you know, a accelerometer gyro, I stick it with a magnetometer because it's actually not that usual to get a nine off in one. You don't get all accelerometer gyro magnetometer in one package. There's the LSM 9DS1, but like really good luck getting that one. You're, it's basically you're never going to find it. It's pretty common to have them as separate chips. 
and then you you fuse the the data together and you get uh, you know X Y Z orientation, which is cool. Um, and, and you know, like I said earlier, you're not going to get BNO zero five fives or zero eight fives like anytime soon. Those are those are totally unobtainium. Um, so I got the accelerometer gyroscopes. But what's interesting is I've totally not been able to get magnetometers. Um, I did get some list two MDLs, but not the list three MDL. And the list two MDL is a uh, plus minus 50 uh, Gauss. And the list three MDL is a uh, plus or minus, you know, uh, 16 Gauss, which is the same as um, 1.6 millitesla. So divide by 10 to get from Gauss to millitesla. Um, and this is better because you want, you want something that has, you know, good 16-bit uh, resolution um, and accuracy because the Earth magnetic field is uh, much lighter than, you know, an, an, a magnet that you have in your hand. And there's mainly two kind of magnetometers. There's like the high-range magnetometers that are good for detecting magnets. And then there's the low-range sensitive magnetometers that are good for sensing the Earth's magnetic field. Um, so the, the list 2 MDL is, is, not a, is not a bad magnetometer for that, but I'm also a little worried I won't be able to get that chip as well. Other magnetometers I have, um, I either haven't been able to get or they are the high range type. So what I'm, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get the three MDLs again. Um, I, I do have a you know big order in um, with ST, but it's just this, you know, I think everyone's just totally crunched with this part shortage. So what I'm gonna do on this great search is I'm gonna find a high resolution, so like 12, 16, 18, 20 bit, triple axis magnetometer that's I squared C because I want it to work, you know, I want it to be um, compatible, not maybe not pin compatible, but as, as functionally compatible as possible so I can pair it. You see here I have the, the chip next to the IMU for a nine DOF uh, sensor. So let's go to DigiKey and let's search for, so this is the part I'm, I'm looking for, the list three MDLs. So let's just go there because it's always good to, you know, you start with the part you can't get and sometimes it's, it gives you ideas of how to find the part you can't get. So this is the part that, you know, if you put in that you want some, it says, you know, I don't know, 2059. I don't think it's actually 2059. I think what they're just saying is we don't know when we're going to get the ability to make this. I think you need a particular kind of um, fabrication technology, which is super booked. So what we do want, so let's go down here and then we can use this to search. So we want a magneto-resistive active XYZ accelerometer that's, uh, sorry, magnetometer that's surface mount. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't, I'm not going to spe specify the range because I don't care if there's multiple ranges or one range. The voltage supply, I'm not worried about. It's probably going to be three volts. Um, resolution, I don't want to be too picky. Um, package, I don't expect to get the same package, but I do want it to be, you know, the minimum is it's a, it's a magnetoresistive active XYZ. So let's search. Also, I want it to be about the same cost. So the 3MDL is, you know, basically one or two bucks. So I want it to be about that price. I don't want to spend... Um, like $20 on this part. Okay, so output type. So this is the thing that I'm going to select first because there's not a ton of options here, um, which is good. Actually, there's only 10. That's very small. Um, so I think I want I squared C and SPI only. 
So let's let's do that limitation. All these ranges are quite good. Um, remember, the list 3 MDL is 1.6 millitesla. Um, I don't want it to be much bigger than that because I want it to be, again, used for um, earth sensing. So I don't want it more than like five, but all these are, are quite good. All these cover 3.3 volts, which is what's important to me. You know, it's if it's lower, great, but that's all I care about. All of them have uh, 16 plus resolution. So that's really good. So let's see what's available. Um, so there is the, the ST1s. They're not in stock. Um, I think let's, let's look at only ones that are in stock right now. Okay, looks good. So we have a couple options here, actually. Um, and they all, look, they all look pretty good, to be honest. Um, so there is um, from, you know, Memsic, there's a couple options. From Rome, there is an option with a lot of pieces. But what I really liked is, you know, when I was like, okay, well, I'm probably going to buy, you know, 3,000 of these because I'm going to use it in a lot of stuff. When I looked at the price, um, the price of these Memsic ones was like very, very attractive. And I know Memsic makes, you know, good components too. So um, this could be a good alternative. What I'll do is I'll probably make new versions of all those IMU plus magnetometer breakouts. And then when I can get the list 3 MDL, you know, because there's people who have those, the code already in their design, we can always go back. But as long as they have a lot, you know, libraries for all of them, I think people can, can switch pretty easily in case it's another year or two. Um, so there's two options here. Both of them look really good. Um, you're probably wondering, well, what's the difference between, you know, the MMC 5603 and the MMC 5633? Um, they're both very similar. Let's look at the MMC because I did pull up these data sheets. And I do this little trick where I kind of like scroll down and I try to like I try to get like the data sheets to kind of like be almost the same and then I kind of flip between them <laughs> to see if I can see what's different. And um, if you look down here, what's different, hold on, go down to applications. What's different is on this one, you see there's a, um, this one has a I3C interface in addition to an I squared C interface. So that's basically what you're gonna pay a little bit more for on the 5633. Um, they're both actually pin compatible. They are not completely code compatible. The register map is a little bit different. Um, but they are, you know, this is, unfortunately, it is a, it's a BGA, it's a WLCSP with 0.4 millimeter pitch. But if it only has four pins, I'm not as nervous about it because I don't have to do a fan out. Like, you know, four pins, I mean, I can just, I can just bring the pins out from each corner. Um, when something has um, nine pins, you know, there's always a pin in the middle and that can be tough to get out. But with four pins, even if it's fine pitch, I'm not, I'm not as nervous about it. Um, so this one is a really good option. So I think I'm going to start, and also I really like that there's 77,000 in stock. I'm probably going to start with, you know, making a, a STEMI QT breakout for this MMC uh, 5603 so I can get Arduino and CircuitPython and Python library code going for it. And then, um, you know, if that's good, I'll, you know, just like connect it up with an IMU and like stack them one on top of each other and then like try twisting and turning it 
with our um, Fusion code and just make sure that it like works fine with that. And if it does, I'll make new breakouts and just, you know, tell folks like, hey, if you're waiting for this nine off that has the list three MDL and you don't want to wait, um, because the magnetometer is not an important part of an IMU. Like you want a good one, but it's not, it's not the thing that really affects the quality of an IMU. The thing that really affects it is the gyro. Um, that's what's important. And so matching, you know, the, as long as the gyro is good, as long as you match it with anything that's a kind of reasonable magnetometer, you're going to get good data. So um, this one looks good if you're, if you're in, the, in the market for a magnetometer and you can't get one because you can't get one. Um, this one's cheap and available and, uh, you know, it's not hand solderable, but it should be pretty easy to work into your pick and place manufacturing setup. That's a great church. Okay, next up, we're going to do uh, this week's Ion MPI. We had a really big show on Thursday. We moved our Ask an Engineer show from Wednesday to Thursday. Thursday, we had a bunch of stuff going on. So today, we're going to be doing Ion MPI's special treat for Disc of Lady Ada viewers. Are you ready? Triple Decker. Let's do it. This week's Ion MPI is from Horns. This is actually the first time we've done a Borns INNPI, which is surprising to me. Um, I, I didn't realize that we've, we've never covered them. Um, we do stock their rotary encoders, so I'm excited uh, to bring out a new and fabulous uh, rotary encoder from Borns. This one's going to blow your mind. Okay, let's uh, go to the next slide. Yep. Okay, so this is, uh, this is a dual concentric rotary encoder. Um, this is funky. So you're probably used to you know, normal rotary encoders um, that have like one rotating thing. This has two rotating things, but on one shaft. Um, so this could be like pretty handy if you need like, you know, a, a tight space fit user interface that has a lot of um, control because you can rotate two different rings and also press the button. Uh, so this is called the Peck. 11D, um, if you are familiar with the PEC series, which you probably are, they are you know, kind of the most famous rotary encoders. Um, I don't know if Borns invented them, but they pretty much made them you know, usable. Like their, their standard shape for rotary encoders is what everybody uses. Um, in fact, you know, we stock a uh, rotary encoder uh, from Borns, the, the PEC 11 or PEC 12, um, and this comes with a uh, knob, but this one is only a single rotary encoder. It, rotates once and there's a push button um but you know that i don't know like that's not super cool there's also um we have other kinds of rotary encoders like you know this um this like uh, ipod click type you know basically whenever you want something to rotate all the way around rotary encoders and especially if you want also a button i really like them they're one of my favorite user interface types um i think potentiometers are cool but but rotary encoders can have a very um elegant feel to them. You know, if you have an oscilloscope, there's tons of rotary encoders on it. Um, medical equipment, cars, um, stereo systems, whatever. Every, you know, anything that has adjustments on it um, tends to have a rotary encoder. But let's say you need more than one rotary encoder. Well, um, you can wire up multiples um, next to each other. That's possible. Here's like a demo where I have three rotary encoders wired up, you know, with uh, STEMIQT ports, but you can have them next to each other. But you know, let's say you have, you want fine and coarse um, 
you know, adjustment capabilities. And sometimes you can use like the knob to select whether you want fine or coarse, but maybe the knob is also used for something else. Or maybe you want, like, there's just two elements that you want to change. Um, I could see like one ring being for bass and one for treble, but you want it to be in one knob. Well, the party is here and it's rocking thanks to the 11D. So you can see there's the, um, the shaft, that's one encoder, and then the, the brassy thing is a second encoder. And then it, you, know, you can also press it to, um, there's a detent button inside. Um, I will say that you do need a custom knob for this, obviously, because you want to have like the outer ring kind of latch onto the, that little divot there the, in the brass knob. There's, there's like a little slot and you want to, whatever knob you design, or, sorry, there's, there's two slots on each side. You want your knob to slot into that to grab in so you can have both rotate separately. This doesn't come with a knob, but if you're designing this into your product, chances are, you know, you're going to do injection molding anyways. So I thought I'd show a quick demo, and then we would show that it's in stock. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so this is the PEC 11D. You can see I've got it wired up to a feather with a little OLED. Um, I didn't wire up the buttons. So you're just going to have to believe me. I wanted to, to just show the, the rotary encoder, but, you know, you can um, press it, and it is a, a tactile switch. So it goes up and down. There is 15 um, detents per rotation. And then if I grab this outer part and I rotate it, it rotates totally separately from the inner part. So dual concentric rotary encoders, very neat. Um, but it works just like a rotary encoder you expect. You know, I just coded up with an Arduino demo, had the OLED going out. Uh, it took me like only 15 minutes um, to put this together because it's, uh, it's like a standard rotary encoder, one on this side and one on that side. Right. and on DigiKey, 80 in stock right now. Get them while you can. That's right. They are in stock. You can actually get these. Um, these are really funky. I've never seen dual rotary encoders before. Um, I don't know when I'd use them, but, like, if you need this, this is exactly, like, this can totally solve a problem that you have. Um, so, yeah, check okay. it out. Hi, All right, going to do a couple quick questions. Yeah, hit me. Uh, the first question that came in was, uh, any thoughts on a guitar amp modeling with a plug-in DSP? Um, you can. There's been a couple people who've done, you know, guitar pedals, like, you know, programmable guitar pedals um, with DSPs. It's like right now you can't really get DSPs. So, I mean, good luck. But um, I think there's definitely people who've done them. So, you know, it's going to be probably a hundred bucks or more. Um, really nice DS, really nice guitar pedals probably already have them too, um, you know, if, if, if possible. But but check it out. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've never built a guitar pedal. I don't use them, but um, but I know that there's people who've made customized okay. ones. I can't answer this next one. Folks are looking for Raspberry Pis because there's a worldwide shortage. Here's what you should do. Make sure you have a verified account on Adafruit.com and you've turned on two-factor authentication two -factor. because we are making sure that there's no bots that are going in buying them up and then people are selling them on eBay. Um, we don't change the price of them. Um, people try to buy them from us and then add like $100 onto it and then send them on eBay. We don't like that. So we're doing everything we can to stop that. We got pretty good strategy. Um, we review the orders with our team now as well, um, but that's the best bet and uh, we're not gonna do price inflation on them. 
Um, a couple people in the chat said they use the notify feature. That's what you do. You get an email. Yes, we and, will and email you, but have your account ready beforehand yeah, because yeah. even with authenticated accounts, they, they do go fast. Yeah. And we're trying very, very hard to stop bots okay. um, and, and resellers. It's it's tough because, you know, we don't want to question every order and, like, interrogate people. Um, but we're also looking for, you know, obvious duplicates and stuff. And, and Yeah, well, there's some that are, like, Bob's eBay yeah, it's it's pretty clear. Yeah. And, they, and they do it three times and four times in a row. Yeah, like so we, you know. we limit one per customer, and if you're reselling them on eBay and we see your store, we're just going to ask you to, not to do that. It's not fair to everybody else. Okay. Uh, NYC Kid says, I'm finally at the point where I should have an oscilloscope and justify the cost. What are your recommendations? You know, a Regal is pretty inexpensive, and I think it's fine. I would definitely get a benchtop one. I don't recommend a USB one. Um, one with the with the TFT screen is recommended. I think it's really hard to use the USB types. Yeah. All right. Yeah, folks, uh, appreciate the uh, the pie fighting bots. Yeah, like we're not against you know cool scripts and people using all these neat web tools to do neat things. Um, but there's some educators that they just need to buy one Raspberry Pi, and it's not fair if someone's coming in trying to buy like you know. 50. Yeah. That that said, I don't I don't know when the shortage will yeah. end. Um, so please be aware if you, if you have, you know, we have folks who contact us and they're like, I have this company or this startup and I desperately need 300 Pi 4s. I'm going to tell them, look, you know, don't, do not, you know, when they say hold your breath, literally don't it's hold not, your breath Yeah, it's on not it. fun saying no, but we, the answer is I really do not, no, I yeah. can't hold them. I don't have a secret stash of them. I don't have any, yeah. I don't have any way to get more. Believe me, if they have them, they're in the store. Okay. That is our show for this week. Thank you so much, Lady. Thank you, everyone Thanks, in the everybody. community and all the customers and all of our team members. We very much appreciate it. We'll see everybody during the week for a full week of shows and more. That is the Desk Lady Anna. Bye, everybody.